Many of you knew Austin. I, I never had the pleasure. We moved here after Austin had already had an accident. But it's been neat in this, the years since. I've learned a lot about Austin. I've learned about his humor and his excitement for life. I've learned about his love for people. And I've heard story after story after story about how people came to know Christ because of Austin. In that short life that he had, he made an eternal impact on many people. And so it's neat to hear this story. Uh, Debbie, who is speaking, she is in the middle of fighting cancer. And so she's doing radiation every day and chemo once a week. And, and they were hoping to be here this morning. And we had seats set apart for them. So she wouldn't uh, be close to getting any germs. And, and I got a text this morning that she was throwing up all night. And she just couldn't make it. Her story and Gary's story, Austin's story, it's an inspiration. To, to, I don't know about to you, it is to me about Austin's desire to tell people about Christ. And, and so it, it was fitting that the playground's coming to an end. We, we got it mostly built. Now we're going to put up uh, a fence and so forth. And then we're going to dedicate it in a couple of weeks in, in Austin's name and in Bethany's name. And, and it's exciting to do that and be able to show this video on a week that works out perfect. Because as we're studying Hezekiah, we're going to see this desire to bring other people to God. And to bring people to God that you might not traditionally think are going to be the person you're going to invite. And so I hope, whether it be Austin's story of how he's brought many people to Christ, or, or Hezekiah's story of bringing people closer to God, that, that this morning we'll leave with a desire, a passion placed there by God to bring someone else to the Lord. So if you don't mind, I'm just going to go ahead and pray, and we're going to dive right into this story uh, of Hezekiah. God, we just come to you, and I, I thank you for Austin's example. God, uh, let it be an inspiration to all of us this morning, this day, this week, to be able to go and live in a life that's, that's passionate about you, to be willing to speak about you, to bring others to you. And God, we lift this up in your name. Amen. If you've been following along with Hezekiah, we were looking at this king. He's the 13th king of Judah. And the kings before him have not been God-fearing kings. But now we've got to Hezekiah, and he has brought people back to the Lord. The past two weeks, we've looked at what he's done for the city, what he's done for the people, of bringing them back, of opening the temple doors, of, of breaking down the Asher poles, which were uh, idols to other gods, of, of bringing the people back to the Lord, and it's stirring there's excitement in the air. People are wanting to draw back to God. This, they've been spending not just years, but generations and centuries drawing away from the Lord. And now Hezekiah has rekindled this excitement. And the people of Judah are wanting to be with God. The people of Judah are wanting to worship God. The people of Judah are wanting to see God interacting with them and seeing his, his will on their life. And so you have this excitement and this time that they're excited. And so Hezekiah sees this as an opportunity to celebrate the Passover. If you guys are familiar with the Passover, the Passover was that time when the Israelites were held captive by, in Egypt, and God sent the many plagues, right, to, to, eat, to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go, right? You know that song. And so, and the last plague was that of the angel of death, that the angel of death would come over and kill the firstborn of every house of every livestock, 
except for those who had put, who had killed a, an unblemished lamb, a, a perfect lamb, and put the blood on the doorpost. For those, the angel of death went over their homes, and the firstborn was spared. And it was when the angel of death would pass over that house. And it was because of this that Pharaoh lets the people go and Moses takes them away. And so God has commanded that every year there to celebrate, to, to not only just celebrate as a reminder of what God has done, a reminder that God brought them out, but a celebration of who God is, a celebration that he loves them, a, a reminder that we have this relationship with God and, and that they're supposed to do this year after year. Every year there was a set time and they haven't been doing it. We've looked before that these kings before Hezekiah were not godly, God-fearing kings. They didn't bring the people closer to him. And, and for some time, we don't know exactly how long, but the Passover has not been practiced. People don't even remember how to do it. They, they don't know what it was for. Young, gender, young children are growing up, and they've never heard the story of Moses bringing the people out of Egypt. And Hezekiah sees that we need to come back. He needs to bring the people back to the Lord. And so, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be camped out most of the morning in this one chapter, 2 Chronicles chapter 30. When we were mapping out this, this uh, series on Hezekiah, I'll, I'll be honest, this, this chapter is, it says just at the top is celebration and Passover. And I thought, oh, I don't, I don't know, what are we going to be talking about that week? That I didn't see anything super exciting in this passage. And, and I thought, well, we could just skip it. And then I thought, no, no, we gotta, we're working through. And, we, and if God thought it was worthy to have a whole chapter, it's definitely worth us looking at that week. And, and I wasn't quite sure. Until, the, until we got into it. And of all the weeks, this might be the one I'm most excited about, is this chapter. So Second Chronicles chapter 30. It begins, Hezekiah sent word to all Israel and Judah, and also wrote letters to Ephraim and Manasseh, inviting them to come to the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover to the Lord, the God of Israel. He sent this letter to bring everyone back. This thing that we used to do, our ancestors did every year to be remembered of the past, but to celebrate the present, that God is in our presence, that this God that brought us out is still the God that is leading us now. So he sends this letter out to all the land to celebrate the Passover. It says, The king and his officials and the whole assembly in Jerusalem decided to celebrate the Passover in the second month. This had not, they had not been able to celebrate it at the regular time because not enough priests had consecrated themselves and the people had not assembled in Jerusalem. The plan seemed right both to the king and to the whole assembly. God's instructions that he gave Moses is to celebrate the Passover in the first month on the 14th day. And so it was a set time. For example, Christmas is always December 25th, right? That you know December 25th is going to be Christmas. Well, here they come and they realize... It's been so long since we celebrated the Passover, we don't even know how to do it. We're not ready for it. We haven't consecrated ourselves. We're, not, we're unclean. We're not ready to do this. And so they all agree, let's do it a month later. In the book of Numbers, God has given a provision that you could move this back a, a month if you needed to, uh, if you were unclean. And so they, they all agree, okay, let's give ourselves one more month. So instead of Christmas on the 25th of December, we all agree, hey, we're not ready. We don't have presents. We don't know what we're doing. Let's do it from January 25th. And so they push it back a month. 
Verse 5 says, They decided to send a proclamation throughout Israel, from Beersheba to Dan, calling the people to come to Jerusalem and celebrate the Passover of the Lord, the God of Israel. It had not been celebrated in, a large, in large numbers according to what was written. This is very important. As I read this, these locations don't mean a lot to me. But as I dug into this and found out, this invitation was huge. Because it says that, that he sent letter throughout all of Judah and all of Israel, from Beersheba to Dan. Remember, the, the nation of Israel was one nation under King David and then under his son, King Solomon. But after Solomon died, they began to disagree, and the ten tribes of the north went and formed Israel, and the two tribes of the south formed Judah. And that is where Hezekiah is reigning. Jerusalem is in the south. And so he sent this letter not just to Judah, to his people, not just to those he's comfortable with, but to the neighbors of the north, to Israel who, who has severed ties with them long ago, to Israel who tends to look down on our puny two little tribes, to Israel who has, has been in arguments with, with our tribes, to Israel the people that we kind of look down on and they look down on us, to Israel who has been recently captured by the nation of Assyria, to Israel who has been destroyed. It'd be easy for Hezekiah and those in Judah to say, see, we're God's chosen people. We're still reigning strong. You guys got destroyed. You guys were conquered. You weren't, and you guys made the mistake by, by leaving long ago. But instead, he sends his peace offering. He sends this invitation to all of Israel, realizing that everyone is a child of God. That they need to invite everybody, those of the north and, and those within their own town. Let's invite everybody to come. This is God's message. This is God's plan that we celebrate Passover. It's for the people of Judah, but it's for the people of Israel. It's for all of God's people. Let's invite those that we don't always agree with. Let's invite those that maybe we don't even like because they're God's people. So he sends this invitation out to everyone. And verse 6 says, At God's command, couriers went throughout Israel and Judah with letters from the king and from his officials, which read, People of Israel... Return to the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, that he may return to you who are left, you who have escaped the hands of the king of Assyria. The king took many of the Israelites away, killed many others, but there's still a remnant few that are left. So he sends this invitation to them, and it's a very clear invitation. It begins, return to God. And then I love this, God will accept you. I'm not sure there's a better message that he could have had. Come on back. Don't come to me. Come to God. God's waiting for you. Like the story of the prodigal son, that God is there waiting to run and, and grab hold of this boy that comes back. God is waiting for them to come back. He continues on, Do not be like your parents and your fellow Israelites, who are unfaithful to the Lord, the God of their ancestors so that he has made them an object of horror, as you see. Do not be stiff-necked as your ancestors were. Submit to the Lord. Come to his sanctuary, which he has consecrated forever. Serve the Lord your God, so that his fierce anger will turn away from you. Of anyone, Hezekiah understands this idea of don't do the ways of your parents. 
Ahaz, his dad, was a horrible king, was a horrible person that was following pagan gods. Of anyone that understands this message, come back. Don't do what your ancestors did. Turn to the Lord. It's Hezekiah. From his own personal experience, he knows this opportunity to have a relationship with God. What was doesn't have to be. He could change. So verse 9 continues, If you return to the Lord, then your fellow Israelites and your children will be shown compassion by their captors and will return to this land. For the Lord your God is gracious and compassionate. He will not turn his face from you if you return to him. The couriers went from town to town in Ephraim and Manasseh as far as Zebulun, but people scorned and ridiculed them. People of the north have been arguing with the people of the south for a long time. And now the people of the north, I'm sure there's some jealousy. Why did we get destroyed and Judah didn't? I thought we were close to God. Why, what, what's going on? Why did, why did Assyria come and take us? And, and so there's this anger and even more hatred has built up. And so the couriers who go from town to town, village to village, face opposition at each place. Many people scorn them and mock them. I'm sure they were run out of town, people throwing stones as they left. But not everybody. It says, nevertheless, some from Asher, Manasseh, and Zebulun humbled themselves and went to Jerusalem. Also in Judea, the hand of God was on the people to give them unity of mind, to carry out what the king and the officials had ordered, following the word of God. Others responded in faith. Others came back to Jerusalem. Others heard and, and accepted this challenge to return to, the, to God. Others realized that God was waiting and would accept them in. We can't control other people's response when we tell them about Jesus. Right? If we tell them about our faith, if, if we have this thing that Hezekiah did that went out and invited everyone to come closer to God, and, and if we do that in our workplace or at our school, perhaps in our homes or our neighborhoods, we can't control their response. What we can't control is what we say. We can control our invitation to someone to come, to come to church or our invitation to hear about what God has done in our life. And some might ridicule and mock, but others will come to God if we invite them. Verse 13 says, A very large crowd of people assembled in Jerusalem to celebrate the, fast, the festival of unleavened bread in the second month. They removed the altars in Jerusalem and cleared away the incense and threw them into the Kindred Valley. The Kindred Valley was like the local dump. They took all, anything left that was revolved around the pagan gods, anything left that was unholy, and they just crushed it and threw it into the local landfill. Then they slaughtered the Passover lamb on the 14th day of the second month. The priests and the Levites were ashamed and consecrated themselves and brought burnt offerings to the temple of the Lord. I love that passage because it's saying that these professionals, the Levites, those that were supposed to be holy, see the passion and the excitement of the lay people, and they're ashamed. They see the crowd is more excited about coming closer to God than they are. And so often when we think about evangelism, we think about ministers and missionaries are the ones that are to do that. Oh, man, if I just had the heart of that missionary, I can't believe they can go and tell everyone about Jesus. I could never do that. But... This is saying the opposite, that those lay people were so excited about God that the professionals felt ashamed. 
It was neat this weekend. Uh, there was a wedding. And I, and I asked, hey, when, where are you going on your honeymoon? And, and they told me, and I said, oh, that's going to be awesome. And I said, we'll see you when you come back. And they said, no, no, we're leaving after Sunday church. David and April, are, I think, are right over here. Where are they? There they are. Raise your hand. They just got married this weekend, and they're here this morning. Isn't that awesome? Because they said there's nothing better that we should start our marriage with than coming to church. And so they're headed out to their honeymoon after this. But it's that passion that they have that was inspiring to me. Because I would have thought, no, let's get, let's get going on our honeymoon. I'm excited for that. And they said they wanted to start their marriage in the church. So you have these, these normal Israelites, these normal people from Judah that are so excited about God. And they begin to, to slaughter the Passover lambs. It says that they took up the regular positions and prescri as prescribed by the law of Moses, the man of God. The priests splashed against the altar, splashed against the altar, the blood handed to them by the Levites. Since many in the crowd had not consecrated themselves, the Levites had to kill the Passover lamb for all those who were not ceremonially clean and could not consecrate their lambs to the Lord. So the point is saying there's a lot of people here that aren't ready. There's a lot of people here that are unclean, aren't consecrated. There's a lot of people here that just want to get draw closer to God. They're not what you would expect as the perfect follower of God, but they've come to Jerusalem. There's a lot of people in our society that we wouldn't think are the good Christian, right? That when we look at them, we know that they're living a crazy life. We know that they're not walking in the, with the Lord. We know they're not going to church every Sunday, let alone possibly ever. And yet, they were all invited. Everyone, not just the good people, everybody was invited to come to Jerusalem and celebrate. It says, although that most of the many people who came from Ephraim, Manasseh, Issachar, and Zebulun had not purified themselves, yet they ate the Passover, contrary to what was written. But Hezekiah prayed for them, saying, May the Lord, who is good, pardon everyone who sets their heart on seeking God, the Lord, the God of their ancestors, even if they are not clean according to the rules of the sanctuary. And the Lord heard Hezekiah and healed the people. It's, the place is full of sinners. The place is full of people that are unclean. The place is full of people that are not, have not done all the steps to be able to be consecrated, to be in the presence of God. And yet Hezekiah says, he goes and prays to the Lord. He says, God, you're good. Please forgive them of their sins. Please allow them to be part of this festival. And it says that God heard the, heard the prayers and healed the people. That for us, that there are people that, that would be sinners. There are people that, as we all are, there's the people that you know aren't walking with the Lord. That we would, should invite them to God to God, invite them to church, tell them about what God has done in our life because they need to be forgiven just like I do and you do. The Israelites, in verse 21, the Israelites who were present in Jerusalem celebrated the festival of an unleavened bread for seven days with great rejoicing while the Levites and, and priests praised the Lord every day with resounding instruments dedicated to the Lord. Hezekiah spoke encouragingly to all the Levites who showed good understanding of the service of the Lord. For the seven days they ate their assigned portion and offered fellowship offerings and praising the Lord, the God of their ancestors. For seven days this party continued. 
For seven days, people were so excited and so passionate about God that they kept having this festival. For seven days, they were coming together and singing and rejoicing. For seven days, they were eating and sacrificing. For seven days, they were excited about what God had done. For so long, they've been walking in darkness. For so long, they've been spiritually dead. And Hezekiah has rekindled this flame. And for seven days, they've been praising the Lord. What an awesome scene. And it says that in verse 23, the whole assembly then agreed to celebrate the festival seven more days. So for another seven days, they celebrated joyfully. I love how Hezekiah rolls, right? Hey, this party's great. Let's just keep doing it. And so they have a whole nother week. They're like, hey, continue, book your hotel, call, send a note back home that you're not coming right now, and you're, we're just going to celebrate seven more days and have a good time. Then... As we jump to verse 27, it says, The priests and the Levites stood to bless the people, and God heard them, for their prayers reached heaven, his holy dwelling place. All these sacrifices, all these praises, all these prayers, the celebration for two solid weeks, God is watching. These prayers make it to heaven, to God's holy dwelling place, to his home. They are there in his home, and he is pleased. Verse 31, chapter 31 begins, When all this had ended, the Israelites who were there went out to the towns of Judah, smashed the sacred stones, and cut down the Asherah poles. They destroyed the high places and the altars throughout Judah and Benjamin, Benjamin and Ephraim and Manasseh. After they had destroyed all of them, the Israelites returned to their own towns and to their own property. They were so excited and so passionate about this two weeks of drawing close to God that as they left and they went to their own towns in Judah and Israel, they destroyed everything related to the pagan nations surrounding them. Anything that would take them away from God, they destroyed. We had looked at that last week about this list of things that we so often depend on instead of depending on God. And they were so passionate at this point that they destroyed it all. And think about that with us. Are we that passionate about God that we would destroy those things that are keeping us from God? If Hezekiah was to come into your home, what would he maybe need to destroy? This is what they did. They went back, and they were passionate about God, and they destroyed everything that could keep them from him. How did this happen? because some couriers were willing to go out and invite them to the Passover. Because the couriers representing the king were willing to go from town to town, were willing to be mocked, were willing to be scorned, were willing to be made fun of, were willing to do all those things because the king sent them. And because of that, the people that did come the people that did come to Jerusalem, the people that were part of this two-week festival, left on fire for God, left passionate about God, and left and went and destroyed everything that, would that was keeping them from God in the past. Everything in their life that was holding them back, they destroyed it because these carriers were willing to take the message from the king. I think the connection is pretty obvious, right? Where are the carriers? There's a message of Jesus Christ. 
There's a message of his, his death and his resurrection. There's this beautiful message about his salvation and about forgiveness. And we've been tasked to go and spread that news, to go out into all the nations. And yes, will some people mock us? Will some people scorn us? Yeah. Will some people turn their backs and, and we could lose relationships? Yeah. But will some come to know the Lord and go and change their life because they're so passionate and so excited about God because we were willing to deliver that message? Yes. Jesus tells a story in, in Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14, a story of this great banquet, this beautiful meal. It says, Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everyone is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, oh, I've just bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of, yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The, servants came, the servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and alleys and the towns and bring the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there still is more room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come so that my house will be full. Shares a story about a banquet, and, and as we think about going and inviting someone to, to this meal, you have the, the first crew that you would normally think of, and they often rejected it. And so what does he do? He goes and invites those that well, you wouldn't normally think. Those that, that were poor and, and, and crippled and, and destitute, he goes and come, come to the banquet. Because this banquet is for everyone. Go and invite those that you wouldn't expect to. As we see this example in Jesus' parable, as we see this example in Hezekiah's life, they went and invited all of Israel. And so often when we talk and think about evangelism, we think about telling someone about Jesus, that, that person that we know really well, you know, my, my good buddy, I think I could share with him, he's not going to make fun of me. Or, or that person down the street or at work that, I don't know if they go to church, but I bet they like mine. But what if we thought differently about evangelism? Hezekiah went to all of Israel Went to the people that no one would think would want to come. Went to Israel, the people that didn't agree with him, didn't like him, didn't, didn't care for Hezekiah and Judah. What if we went to those that we wouldn't think normally would enter into a church? That coworker we know that's always angry, that student that picks on us, that guy that swears all the time and has a filthy mouth, we need to invite them to the Lord. We need to tell them about our walk with God, about what God has done. That, that, that guy that you know is, is always bragging about sleeping around, that couple, the gay couple in the neighborhood that walks together, and you see them, and have you ever invited them to church? Have you ever just carried on a conversation to be friends? Hezekiah went out and invited everyone. Not just Judah, which was safe and comfortable, but everyone. Because everyone 
needed this relationship with God. And what happened when they came? They went back so on fire that they went and changed their ways. They went and, and changed what they had been doing and wanted to live for God. Same thing happens when we could bring people to Jesus. Because remember that? Verse 31, when all this had ended, the Israelites that were there went from town to town and to towns of Judah, smashed the sacred stones, and cut down the Asherah poles. They were so excited, they went and changed what they had been doing that was drawing them from the Lord because a courier invited them. Their life was changed. Jesus is not just for believers. Jesus is not just for those that work in our comfort zone. Jesus is for those that it might stretch us to go and talk to that person and be vulnerable and tell them, do you know Jesus? Do you have a church you go to? Found it interesting this week when we, I was reading this passage. I'm doing the, the Bible in a year, trying to do that with, with Sarah. We, we've been listening to it, and, and with this, several people in the church are going through. And I got to Numbers chapter 9 this same week. And in Numbers chapter 9, it talks about that provision where they could celebrate the Passover a month later. And it was when the priest or the Levites came upon a dead body, that they were unclean, that that death was on them now. And so because of that, because they were dead, they were unclean, and the Passover could be celebrated a month later. And I don't know, there just seemed something beautiful about that idea. But it was moved back a month so they could consecrate themselves because, because they were dead. The people of Judah, the people of Israel were dead spiritually. But when they leave two weeks later, they're alive. They're alive and the same is our, it's true in our story. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5 says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. So this morning, I want to pray for each one of us that we would be alive and pray that we would be able to go and find someone that needs to come alive in Christ. And that we would have the, the willingness and the courage to be carriers, to invite those that are outside of our comfort zone, to invite those that you wouldn't normally think of inviting to church because they need Jesus too. You'll pray with me. God, we just come to you and, and lift this prayer up to you that we would have the courage to, to be carriers, to go and, and proclaim what you have done and and invite people, not just invite them to church, but invite them into a relationship with you. And to, to invite them to hear about what Jesus has done in our lives. To be willing to tell them about our faith. God, to those that we wouldn't normally think of sharing with, give us courage to do so. And God, we pray for those that come to know the Lord because of these invitations. That they would be on fire and that they would be so excited for you that they would go back to their old lives and destroy anything that could keep them from their walk with you. Lord, we lift this up in your name. Amen.